From the studios of Teeing It Up in the Swamps of Jersey, this is Teeing It Up with Jeremy Schilling for Saturday, December 5th, 2020. Danny Flecker joins us in his weekly spot. Good morning, sir. How are you, my man? I am good. All right, let's let's take a look at this at the college slate for a second. Um, football slate, that is. You have Alabama, 29-point favorites over LSU. You have Clemson, 22-point favorites over Virginia Tech. Helps when you hit the right button. Um, You have the Irish that are 34-point favorites over Syracuse. And you have Ohio State, which is 22.5-point favorites. Um, over Michigan State. Are, are these going to be the four teams? Is this where we're going here with the playoff? Do we already have the answer, or can somebody like a Florida sneak in there? Yeah, so I think those are the four teams as of right now, but the one the one issue is Ohio State. This is their fifth game of the season, right? Yeah. So, you know, I know Kirk Herbstreit made some some ways this week when he said that Michigan could like opt out and not play next week against them. And obviously that would be one of the biggest, you know, tail between their legs moves that a team would ever make in the history of sports. But at the same time, if you're Ohio State, you have to hope that, one, that your game next week gets played for whatever reason, whether it's Michigan, you know, getting COVID, you getting COVID, they already had an outbreak. So Michigan and Ohio State needs to happen next week for Ohio State to be in there. Otherwise, they don't qualify for the Big Ten championship. The interesting team on the outside looking in right now is Florida. Florida has the opportunity, you know, with the win this week and a potential matchup with Alabama in the SEC championship game, potentially sneak in there. If for whatever reason Ohio State's not, not able to complete six games, they slip up or... Maybe if Notre Dame plays Clemson and, and the committee doesn't view Notre Dame as a potential, uh, you know, college football playoff team. But I think Notre Dame and Alabama, uh, and one of the reasons why I think Notre Dame is a lock is because they've canceled their game next week. They're automatically in the ACC championship game and their, their loss would be to a, a Trevor Lawrence-led Clemson team um, who they've already beaten this regular season. So I think, you know, unless Clemson loses uh, in the ACC championship games in Notre Dame. You're probably looking at those four teams, and if Florida is able to sneak in there, it's going to have to come by win of, of Al- against Alabama in the SEC championship game. But I don't see any other four teams uh, besides them right now. And Florida is the only other team I can see potentially making it. One of the interesting things about this, if your theory and my theory is correct, is that right now you would get in a semifinal a rubber match, a third Clemson-Notre Dame game. Do you think that gives um, somewhat of a, it, it? I guess my question is if you believe that both Clemson and Notre Dame are in the playoff and if you believe that those two teams are headed in that direction to play in a semifinal and being two to three, Do does either team hide anything offensively or defensively in the ACC championship game trying to save it for the semifinal, or do, or, or do you lay it all on the line in the ACC championship game thinking that you still have to win to get in? Yeah, that, that's a tough 
tough one, and I honestly think that the winner of that game will get the two seed, and the loser, if it's Notre Dame, gets the four seed. And if Clemson loses, they're probably the four seed, or maybe not even in in the college football playoff. So I don't know if they're going to go with the third game between those two in the semifinal. Um, you know, from a fan perspective, I personally wouldn't want to see that again. Um, I think twice during the regular season, and if they meet in the championship game, fine. So I think the winner of that game gets the two seed. If the loser Notre Dame, they get the four seed. And if the loser bumps in, they might be out of Florida win. But I think, you know, if everything stays status quo, bumps in, you know, we, we have two losses against Notre Dame. They're, you know, they're probably in there, too. I don't know if they're going to do another matchup with them, but I think that if Clemson wins that game, they jump up to the two seed, and their game gets the four seed, and then you see Notre Dame versus Alabama and Clemson versus Ohio State again, like you did last year. Danny Fleck is with us on teeing it up. All right, we, we now are finally into week 13 of the NFL season. It took us a while to get to um, the uh, week 13, but we have finally gotten there. Um, by the way, and I'm just going to throw this out. This is live producing on the radio um, or on a podcast. Did, did you see what the viewership number was for Baltimore-Pittsburgh in the middle of the afternoon on Wednesday? I did not, no. Okay, take a guess. What do you think it is? 340, nationally televised game on a Wednesday. Like, what are my options? Like, a number, like, 1 through 10? Oh, oh, just millions of viewers. So if you look at, you know, the NFL Network-only Thursday night games are usually in the 7, 8, 9 range. You look at, um, you know, the average single-header game, which is 12, 13, 14. You look at the Bonanza 425 games, which is 22, 23. Sunday night is, you know, uh, 19, 20. Um, you know, that's that's kind of the range to go off of uh, when you when you make this guess as to what this game got. Yeah, so I'm probably going to say around like 15 to 17 million. 11.4. I mean, that's pretty high if you think about it, but, you know, take all the other factors into consideration. I'm sure that there are a lot of people watching for a fantasy reason. Yeah. In the middle of the day, everybody's working from home. You have the TV on in the background. So that number doesn't really surprise me, even though the game itself was, was trash. Yes, um, and the other thing, too, is it helped lift the Rockefeller Center Christmas tree lighting to a multi-year high in its ratings. So people keep the TV on. What, what, what can I say? A lot of them do not change the channel. Um, as we look to week 13, we need to do a PSA here um, before we talk to Danny about the week. If you are interested in Washington and Pittsburgh on Monday at 5 p.m., you need to... Uh, be careful and be ready to have to make an adjustment. That game is not nationally televised. Your 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 uh, your TV guide listing may be wrong. Your um, your uh, calling the cable carrier doesn't work. Calling the TV station doesn't work. This is a a, a kind of complicated deal involving minimum games that that NFL Sunday ticket was guaranteed. Go to at five oh six sports. Look at the map. And then that'll tell you if it's going to be on Fox and if it's going to be, or or if you will need Sunday ticket, but this helps Sunday ticket reach its minimum for the year. When I look at the, the Week 13 slate, Danny, what sticks out to me is a couple things. First of all, 
Atlanta is surging. And, and if you look at the playoff race in the NFC and you look at New Orleans and Tampa in this battle, and we'll get to Tampa in a second because I didn't like what I saw last weekend. But if you look at, at New Orleans and the way this is tracking, Atlanta has been on the surge since Raheem Morris took over. Drew Brees is still out. It's still Taysom Hill at quarterback. Do you see any way? It's only a three-point line right now for the Saints. Do you see this being the true toss-up that Vegas thinks it is? Yeah, I think it is in the sense that they played recently, and we saw that you know New Orleans was able to hand it to them. Obviously, New, uh, you know, there's enough tape now out, I think, on Taysom Hill and the Saints. But I, I still think overall, when you look at these teams, the, the better team is New Orleans by, by a long shot. Their defense is playing hot. Um, they're able to, to get pressure on the quarterback. We know Matt Ryan's not a mobile quarterback. And despite what, you know, people want to say about the Saints and Taysom Hill, last week they didn't need to do much, right? They just needed to show up, not get anybody hurt, and, and play a clean game, which they did. And people will be like, you know, Taysom Hill only threw for 74 yards, and blah, blah, blah. They didn't need to throw the ball. They didn't want to throw the ball. They, they knew that going into that game, they are like, let's just play good defense, let's turn the ball over, get short fields, control the clock, and get out of here. You know, this is a game we have to exert so much energy on. I think New Orleans will be a little bit more open in their offense on uh, Sunday. They're in a dome, you know, in Atlanta. They still have, you know, Mike Thomas, Alvin Kamara, Latavius. Murray, Jared Cook, Emmanuel Sanders. Like, so they still have options on offense, and I think they'll do a good job of, of kind of rewriting the script a little bit about you know what their offense is going to be, at least for the next one or two weeks. You know, They have a big game coming up with Kansas City, too, so they can't afford to just run into this shell of an offense that's going to run the ball and, and, and control the clock. It's not how they're built or how Sean Payton is built. But, you know, with Atlanta being what they've been the last couple of weeks, I think the most important thing in this game for them is, you know, Julio Jones' health. You know, when he's not out there, Matt Ryan's a different quarterback. Yeah, they were able to, to get it done last week, you know, but I think that's more of what the Raiders did than what they did. So I think this game will be closer than what it was two weeks ago, but I still think New Orleans is a better team and, and should win this game. Um, we're talking to, I'm talking to Danny Flecker here on Teeing It Up. You look at... Uh, the Chiefs, which are going to face Denver this week, they should win that game pretty easily. Tampa's on a bye because of COVID uh, movement of games. Um, but what's interesting about Tampa is that Tony Romo was very pro Tom Brady and very, I think they've made progress here. And Tony got some flack for that, for for being so pro Tom Brady. As a, as a quarterback geek yourself and a reigning flag football champion, I get to say that for the first time in a couple of years. Congrats, buddy. Um, <laughs> what's your thoughts on what you saw from the, from the Bucks last week? Do you think they made progress? So I think that game yet last week, it's, I think what you want to look at, too, is not maybe Tom Brady. It's maybe the coaching staff. I, I think it's a very stubborn coaching staff. You look at what they did defensively. They allowed Tyreek Hill to get 220 yards in the first quarter. How did that happen? How do you sit back and let one guy just eviscerate your team defensively? You have the defensive line that's able to get pressure on the quarterback. You know you're young in the secondary. You think you would roll coverages or let somebody else on that team beat you. I, I understand that Kansas City has a plethora of weapons. They have Patrick Mahomes. It's really hard to defend them. I'm not going to sit here and say it's easy. 
But wouldn't you rather get beat by the running game or Travis Kelsey, keeping everything in front of you and, and you know, maybe making Patrick Mahomes make some tough throws on second and long or third and long to just letting Tyreek Hill run wild in the back in the back of your secondary for 70, 80-yard games? I think the adjustments by Tampa Bay were very poor, very slow, and they weren't able to react. You know, then you take a look at it on the other end. When you're down 17 nothing. The only way you're going to get back in the game is to throw the ball. And we know Bruce Arians like to chuck it down the field. They had a graphic up in that game that showed what you know quarterbacks did in their first year under Bruce Arians. Uh, and you would think that understanding that, that Bruce Arians might tailor his approach a little bit more to the quarterbacks he has in play. And he doesn't. He wants to throw the ball down the field. They have big wide receivers. They want to take advantage of that. And I get that. But when you have a quarterback like Tom Brady, who's good at making adjustments at the line, who's able to read defenses, able to play underneath, able to get a lot of people involved and keep your defense guessing, you should tailor your offense to that. Until they do that, we'll see a lot of performances like we had the last couple of weeks from Tampa Bay, where they get down early, then they are forced to throw the ball to get back in the game. And, you know, I think Tampa Bay needs to take a look and see how they want to approach the game. Their first couple of drives, you know, against some of the bigger name teams, you know, the Rams, the Packers, even though they beat the Packers, you look at their first couple of series, they were three and out because they weren't able to move the ball. And then the Chiefs, they have to take a little bit more tailored approach to who they have out there on the field. And one of that starts with Tom Brady. you got to be able to run screens, run underneath routes, run play action, hit the team routes on, you know, timing patterns. And they're just not doing that right now. So maybe they take this time to reflect and do that. But until they do that, I think they're a very middle-of-the-road team they have to be able to keep games close to play the game they want to play. When you saw the report this week that Saquon Barkley could be ready for the Giants if they make the Super Bowl or if the Super Bowl gets moved uh, uh, back a week or two because of COVID-19, what was your reaction? Yeah, well, there's nothing that those reports will make me think differently. <laughs> Um, he is a very big piece for that team. Obviously, they've, they've been playing well, and people will be like, oh, see, they don't need Saquon Barkley. No, that's not the answer. They need Saquon Barkley for this offense to be what it needs to be. When he gets back, you know, I'm very excited to see what they potentially do next year, but that, that guy does something on the field and talks a lot. Yeah, I, I am skeptical as well of, of that happening. Uh, you are in first place, though. Right now, you would host a home playoff game against the Los Angeles Rams. Um, <laughs> what a just what a bizarre situation that is. You face Seattle this week, um, who's a ten and a half point favorite. They're eight and three. They've got a possible MVP candidate in Russell Wilson. What's a victory this weekend for the Giants? Is it keeping it close? Like what's in your mind, even if you're going to lose on Wild Card Weekend and lose embarrassingly to whoever you face, what are you as a Giant fan looking for out of these games? What's a positive in these games, if, 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 if there's any available? Yeah, and, and I'll, I'll say this about the Giants. The, the positive this year has been their, their ability to compete against teams that are better than them. They've kept teams close. They haven't been blown out. They've, they've been able to stay within games. And obviously that has to do with not turning the ball over. We've seen it the last three weeks from them. They haven't been able to turn the ball. They haven't turned the ball over. They play defense in a bet don't break style, which is fine. That's the personnel that they have. They can't split every single down. They don't have a 
Uh, Dom and Pat Rush here. They have a good... Ryan, you can throw him back there. They're getting a little thin at linebacker with some injuries. It's the positive that I'm taking out of these games is competition. Just play, just play tough. Just play aggressive. And, and don't let, don't go back in the locker room at the end of the game and be like, oh, we could have done this differently. Just go out there and compete. And for them to do that, that that's what I'm looking for. You know, the, the team was not supposed to win eight or nine games this year. The fact that they are four and seven, I think, is a positive. Yeah, they haven't won a lot of games the last couple of years. But you want to look at the progression, and I've seen a ton of progression from the team. Going into Seattle, never easy, even with no crowd. You're playing Russell Wilson. DK Metcalf, an absolute animal. Uh, you know, they, they have a good enough offense. Seattle does, you know, to game away early. But if you're the Giants, you look at this game and say, we're out our, our top running back, we're out our quarterback. We still have the ability you know, to potentially keep this game close if we play clean football, make them play that special team. You know, don't, don't beat ourselves. Do I think they're going to win? Doubtful. I, I just don't know if it's going to happen. But, you know, if they go out there and compete and lose a close game, I'm all for that. You know, they have a tough schedule here. Like I mentioned last week, I don't know if they're going to be able to pull it off. But if they go in there and compete against the rest of these teams they have on the schedule, you just never know what could happen. And Seattle has, at times, you know, played down to their competition. They let the Eagles hang in there all game last week. So we'll see. But I, I just don't know if they have enough without Daniel Jones this week to make it happen. But you just never know. But as long as they compete and play hard, I'm all, I'm all in for that. Danny Flecker with us and teeing it up. Cleveland's 8-3, and three, Tennessee's 8-3. and three. This is a big battle on the CBS television network tomorrow at 1 p.m. The line is 5.5. The over-under is 53. As you look at this game and you look at the Browns, is this for real? Is this, is this a week where they take a big step forward in their progression, or does Tennessee bring them back to earth? I think it's a weird game, to be honest with you. Both these teams have been sort of Heckle and, jo- heckle and um, J- uh, 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 Jekyll and Hyde. Jekyll and Hyde, yeah, there you go. Um, you know, Tennessee dominated last week. You know, they have the offensive weapons to really, you know, blow any team out the way they play. I think the interesting thing for me will be, you know, if Cleveland falls behind in this game, you know, 10-0, 17-7, whatever it is, can they get themselves back in the game if they abandon the run? And I think that's what I want to see. You know, I want to see if Cleveland can, can go punch for punch with a team that, that can put the points up on the board. Uh, you know, I don't think there's going to be any weather in this game. Um, so that, you know, throw that equation out. They've been very fortunate in some games to have that play to their advantage. Tennessee seems to be, you know, hitting their stride in the last couple of weeks. Derrick Henry is, is an unstoppable force. Um, but, you know, Cleveland has a good run game, too. So I think what I'm looking for is, you know, if Cleveland goes down, can they stay in it? And can Baker Mayfield throw 25, 30, 40 times a game and keep that team in, in it? So I, I think Tennessee has a better team. They're at home. The line, I think, is a little high. I think Cleveland could, could keep the game close. But I think if they have to go into a shootout and throw the ball a lot, then they, obviously the advantage goes to... Tennessee because I just think Tennessee has a better built team to handle that kind of game script. But you know we'll see what Cleveland has. It's a big game for them. It's a huge game for them and could be a franchise-defining game on, on under the Baker Mayfield regime. When you look at the gambling slate and the betting slate in these lines, what do you think? Yeah, 
Uh, there, there are some really lopsided ones, and then there's a couple tight ones. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, there's some games here where, where teams are just over-inflated, and there's some games that you're just like, you know, do I think this team has enough to stay in it to cover this spread this week? So I think when you look at, you know, games like Minnesota-Jacksonville, uh, Green Bay-Philadelphia, um, the Giants-Seattle, you know, those are large spreads, all in favor of the home team against teams that are, have lesser talent, but have shown the penchant for staying in games and covering spreads. Uh, last week, the underdogs were 10 and 4, 10 or 11 and 5, whatever that number is. Um, so, you know, you're looking at the play, you're trying to be able to, to find where the advantages are, and I think you have to look at some games for, you know, teams that are favored by that much, should they be favored by that much? And that's, I think, what I'm looking at for tomorrow. It's going to be... Because uh, you're looking at 10, 9, and 10 and a half point lines, respectively, for the three games you brought up. And I look at Minnesota, and I have no confidence that Kirk Cousins can win by 10 or more. I, I, I just don't see, even even though it's a 1 in 10 Jacksonville team, they it just there's something odd about the Vikings. They just they keep games close that should not be kept close. Yeah, and you hit the nail on the head right there, right? Like, why is Minnesota a 10.5-point favorite? Um, even though it is a Jacksonville team that we saw last week that were, I think they were seven or eight points off, and they were able to, to keep it to a one-score game that entire game. So you have to look at it that way. You also think, come on, you know, does Jacksonville have the motivation to stay in that game? But, you know, at the end of the day, I'd rather, you know, bet the dog in that situation knowing that, you know, Kirk Cotton as a turn-point favorite, it's odd, like you mentioned. It's not something that you see a lot. Uh, have fantasy playoffs started for a lot of teams and leagues? Uh, this would be the last regular season. Well, if it's the end of the regular season for anybody out there, um, play your best uh, players and see where this takes us as we look towards week um, 13. One last one for you, Danny. Uh, you you look at Baltimore, Dallas, and you've been skeptical on Baltimore, and they may or may not have Lamar Jackson. They're still down some pieces here, and yet they're seven and a half point favorites right now over Dallas. Is this a line that if you can get it right now, get it because it should, in theory, expand? Because I don't think Dallas is that good. Where? What's this line coming from? What's the viewpoint here of this line being seven and a half on Sunday for a two, on Saturday for a Tuesday game? Yeah, I, I think it's a lot of seeing what Dallas has been the last couple of weeks. Um, obviously, their blowout against Washington didn't do them any favors. I still think that Baltimore's is regarded very highly. I think people think they're going to be turning the corner any second now. Um, I do think that number's right. I just don't know if Dallas offensively has, you know, the continuity to, to stay within games. Then you look at them from a defensive side of the ball. Baltimore loves to run the ball. They're not good at defending the run. You know, throwing, you know, Lamar Jackson in there, and, and that line probably goes up one or two points. But I do think that Baltimore's defense is, is tough. You know, they they. They laid it all out there on, on uh, Wednesday. Uh, were able, was able to keep that game close enough for them. That's just unfortunately when you have your backup and third string quarterback available, it's going to be tough to win those games. Um, but 
you know, Dallas is not Pittsburgh. So I think that's why the line is what it is. So I think Lamar's going to play on Tuesday, <laughs> for whatever it's worth. They have J.K. Dobbins back. Their defense probably be a little bit healthier as well. So I think Baltimore's in the right spot there. I don't know if I'm going to back them or not, but I think Baltimore is going to be able to win that game. And I think they'll win it pretty convincingly, to be honest. Uh, in what year on this podcast will we talk about the Jets being a good team? Yeah, probably 2024. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, by that point, they'll be on their third coach and their second offensive coordinator and their second GM in as many years, um, sadly. That's, and that's why we won't be talking about them anytime soon if that keeps happening. <laughs> yes, exactly. Danny Flecka, thank you as always for coming on Teeing It Up. No problem, my man. Have a great day. You got it. Same to you, and uh, enjoy your football weekend, everybody.